Blessed be your name for the working of your spirit. Blessed be your name for the working of your enablement and power within. They all shall be born along and explicit and clearly will they see and receive with graciousness the truth. I give you glory and honor for signs and wonders. You are inadvertently glorified in all things. I give you glory for healing power and the operation of the gift of the spirit. The express move of the spirit. Touching, healing, restoring, quickening, awakening, restructuring and remolding in the path of righteousness. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Somebody say amen boldly. Say amen boldly. I feel so glad that I'm here present, preaching at you the word of God. I also want to appreciate those of you who have made it to church this evening. In spite of the fears of chaos and, and fights. You have made it. Exactly what it was some time ago. Twenty fifteen we were in church and there were many people who could not make it. Some churches even closed meeting. <laughs> I also remember very well years ago when there was this um very life threatening saga or story of certain acts people who Morated the environment. They were so pestilent around this place. All the nooks and cranny of this place became ghost town. As early as six o'clock, people disappeared off the streets because these vandals and terrorists and bloodthirsty, bloodletting and blood coddling wicked souls laid terror on people they found on the highway, cutting vital body organs while alive. You can imagine cutting or shivering somebody's breasts still living. This they did in this environment for so, so long. And I remember all churches on this street closed shop. All. When it was evening, no church met anymore. All churches restricted their programs since 6 o'clock. I was here with a number of you preaching, praying and prophesying and cursing, cursing, cursing every person who was a bloodletting evil soul. And I remember we still had all night prayer meetings. We had our all night prayer meetings consistently for close to one year. We're having the all night prayer meeting in power <laughs> until we destroyed the evil imaginations of the wicked souls. And we are still here today. Feel free to talk in tongues and don't live in fear. He that digs a pit shall fall into it. They have by their own hands dug a pit, they shall fall into it. No evil shall befall us, nor come nigh dwelling. We shall dwell in the safety and the power of the Holy Spirit and proclaim God's goodness in the land of the living. We will not die before our time. Rather, we shall do what God has called us to do. Don't be afraid of death. You will stay here till you have fulfilled life and ministry by the truth of the word. Hallelujah! Amen. 
I've been preaching so interesting a topic, sermon, a sermon topic, praying about my needs. Praying about our needs. Personal needs. Personal needs. How do I, as a Christian, manage to pray about my needs? Several needs. Several things we want. A car, a house, a job, a profession, a husband, a wife, a child, some physical money, prosperity, some substance, a visa to travel abroad, some greener pasture, a sound health, reduction in weight, an increase in weight, a new fiancé, several things. And I've said, I don't think it makes sense to just begin to teach you line upon line the kind of scriptures you should employ praying about your needs. I'd rather teach you holistically whom you are in Christ Jesus, whom God is to you, and what God has done in your life. I'm convinced that instead of just jumping to ask God to give you a car, a house, or success at your examinations, or to help you change your attitude or habit, you could learn from Jesus and the apostles about prayers. And I want you particularly also to take note of whom you are in Christ Jesus and to allow all these determine how you pray, what you pray about, and the kind of thing to do in prayer. And I've said something very vital that I stepped into. I could, I could just uh, try to redress a number of things I've said, but I would take so long and boy, boy, we've stayed um, close to eight weeks, I mean, four weeks on this, uh, three, weeks, three weeks on this, so please pick the series via all media available praying about my needs. Something I stepped into is found at Mark chapter number 4 and I said you should learn faith or conviction when you pray. Faith, 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 faith. Faith that is assurance. You need to have faith in your prayers. And you can't have faith in your prayers more than you have faith in God. Hey, hey! Yes, Hallelujah! You can't have faith in prayers more than you have faith in God to whom you pray. Please don't struggle to have faith in your prayers. Struggle to have faith in God. It is not possible to believe in your prayers more than you believe in God. Let's not struggle to be sure that we are perfect people praying. Let's struggle to be sure that we believe in God. We believe in God. It is possible to pray and pray and miss. Are you sure? Are you, are you clear about this? You could ask and miss. 
to consume it upon your own lust. You could ask against the will of God. I know a brother is all over the BLM alumni page ranting over how we have deliberately ignored asking and making requests. And he said all sorts of things about my person and the person of people who believe the word. He's giving all sorts of lies and telling tale, tale, tale bearing things. And he said, asking, asking, asking. And I, ladies and gentlemen, you could ask and ask amiss. You could ask wrongly. You could ask against the will of God. Truth of the matter is, if we pray in accordance with his will, he heareth us. James chapter number 1 verse 3, he ask and receive not, because he ask amiss that he consume it upon your lusts. People don't believe it's possible to ask and ask amiss. It is. You could ask wrongly. You could ask against the will of the Father. So I don't think we are just going to be benefited if we dwell on how to ask and ask and ask and ask. And we don't learn that it's possible to ask amiss. I mean, I boldly say to you, I think it's just going to be some um, fraudulence. If asking is more important than the person from whom ye ask. Asking. Diseased. Badly. Physically or morally. Grievously. Miserably. Or sick. Badly. That's the word I miss in the Greek. Badly. Physically or morally is bad. That is, it's against the design and the desire of God. The some folks say, and we know that all things work together for our good. And they do everything and say, it must work for my good. <laughs> You've forgotten that the all things he speaks about is at Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And it's all the things he mentioned within the confines of the will of the Father. Just like we say, in everything, give thanks to God. He speaks about the things Christ has done, particularly. He says, this is the will of God concerning you in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18. It does not say, when you have misdeeds, you have done something wrong. You say, I thank the Lord, I have done something wrong. Please, let's be particular. On the contexts of usage. And when you say, in everything, give thanks to God, you must know what you are saying. Though it is true that we should thank the Lord for all things, good or bad, it's also true that some things you have self-cost and inflicted for you, you should repent. Anyway, you could also thank the Lord for it. This is the confidence. First John 5. And verse number 14. That we have in him. That 
If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And all that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, no, sorry, I'll take it all over again. First John 5 and verse 14, and this is the confidence that we in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. Let's be assured that God answers us. First John 3 and verse 22, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which is in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandment dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby know we that he abideth in us by the spirit which he has given us. After a lot, some years ago, I had taught extensively about what God has given us. And then some folks kept saying, sir, are you saying we should not ask? Are you saying we should not ask? And I just said this to them. I said, it makes no sense to ask for the given. If God says he has given you, it makes no sense to ask for the given. Here comes a brother on the BLF alumni page who said, to say someone should not ask for the given is rebellious against the apostles. Whatever this means to him or them, it makes no sense to ask God to give you what God has already given us. I have said concerning the given, thank God. Thank for the given. Don't ask for the given. If you ask for the given, you are walking in unbelief. Simple. It's just logical. Thank you for the given. But then somebody says, but I can't see. Ah, well, he doesn't bless me, you can see. He doesn't bless me, you can see. That's just the truth of the matter. God, look at your Bible very well, is a spirit. His blessedness is purely spiritual. So I will not advise you to thank him for what you see. Because he blesses where you don't see. It is where you don't see that he blesses. Are you, are you, are you here? At John's Gospel 20, it's all about faith and conviction. Hebrews 11 and verse 6, For without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that is a reward of those who seek. This is a great faith. John 20, hear this. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I see, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust 
my hand into his side. I will not believe. I will not believe. <laughs> there are many of us who are like that. It's, I, 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 I'm not a dullard. I'm not, I'm not, do, I'm not, listen, listen, I don't, I don't. I'm not one of those people you can deceive or cajole with your lying words. Oh, no, 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 I'm not one of them. No, do, do you think, do you think, do, do, do you think, do you think I'm just <laughs> some round of the curve, ordinary little liver? Do you, do you think I'm one of those girls you pack in your vehicle to campus who believe everything you say? Do you think I'm just one of those loose people that, that walk around the town? I'm very intelligent, I understand. So, here comes Thomas. He said, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace unto you. John's Gospel 27 and verse, sorry. John's Gospel 20 and verse 27. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach thither thy hand, and thrust into my side and be not faithless but believing be not faithless Jesus describes the attitude of I must see to believe as faithlessness I don't agree unless I see it you are faithless this is a serious issue I must see, I must touch, I must feel, I must perceive. You are faithless. You are just merely faithless, that's all. So, last week I began to teach something along the lines of faith. You need, you need to be convinced that God hears you. The reason many of us don't believe in our prayers is because we don't believe, we don't have faith. And you can't have faith in your prayers unless you have faith in God to whom you pray. Please, don't even have faith in your prayers. Just have faith in God. Just have, and I'll, I'll explain this to you very soon. Now, then, verse 27 of John 20, saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing but believing and Thomas answered and said unto him my Lord and my God Jesus said unto him Thomas because thou hast seen me thou hast believed blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed 
Blessed are they. Ah, blessed are they. Blessed are they. <laughs> that have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are they. They have not seen, yet they have believed. Blessed are they. That have not seen, yet they have believed. Blessed, fortunate, well off, happier. Blessed, B-L-E-S-T, supremely blessed, by extension, fortunate, well off. It's a poetic rendition, well off. It also means happy. It could be called happier, which means it is better it is better to believe without seeing than to believe when you have seen let me quickly explain something about conviction I've said this to you before in this church we are in the faith. Christianity is the faith. Please, you don't need faith to have what you have in the faith. When I talk about faith, I'm not talking about what God is going to give you. Because you now have faith. I'm talking about what you have in Christ Jesus by the faith. And I'll soon define that, that thing I'm talking about faith so you can learn one, or two, learn one or two things in the faith. For example, Acts 14 and verse 22 confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith the faith as a noun the faith as a thing you know the faith could be used as a verb could be used as a noun the thing the thing the faith itself is a Christian faith. Acts 13, 8, but Elimas is sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, which stood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. The faith. When you see the faith, it describes it as a noun. The faith. Acts 6, 7. And the word of God increased. And the number of disciples, of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. 
and a great company of the priests were obedient to the the faith to the faith to the faith Acts 16 5 and so we are that the church is established in the faith in the faith Acts 24 and verse 24 and after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla which was a Jewish he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith concerning the faith concerning the faith it's all over the bible you see it the faith the faith the faith galatians 1 23 galatians 1 verse 16 galatians 1 verse 20 it's all over the bible on and on and on the faith of christ he said it is no longer i that liveth but christ that liveth in the life i live in the flesh I live by the faith galatians 2 and verse 20 i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ liveth in me and the life which i live the life which i now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me the faith movement has largely misled us concerning this very important and fundamental thing the faith movement says you can't get it as a christian unless you ask for it the faith movement says you don't have it until you confess it so this is going to be running us the christian or the believer has been given all things in christ because of the faith so you don't need faith to get what being in the faith gives can i say it again it is wrong to say have faith for eternal life have faith for heaven have faith for eternal security have faith for the power of god have faith for the blessedness of the cross it's wrong for being in the faith the faith you have what the faith has given so i don't need faith for it i mean i have it already but then i can't see it well blessed is he who has not seen but yet believes i can't feel it blessed is he who has not seen but yet believes this is a very serious issue it marks a huge difference between the matured and the immature christian someone says i can't see it i can't believe it well you are possibly not matured you ought to believe it though you can see it you ought to consider it 
and accept it that you have it already though you can't say it. It is mine in Christ Jesus. Let me quickly gloss, gloss over this. I'm still teaching, praying about my needs. You see, it's, it's a little more than just Father, give me a car. Father, give me a house. No, it's, it's, it's a structured relationship theme. Structured. Just like in marriage, in children, bearing and rearing, in relationships, an employer and an employee of labor, a boss and a subordinate, your driver and you. Relationship does not define singularly around what you can get or give. There is more to getting and giving in relationship than just getting and giving. There is more to it. There's more to it. Think about it. You don't just meet a man and say, give me. You didn't just meet a man and say, give me. Something must preclude it. Something must come ahead of it. What I give you, or what I get from you, what you give me, or what I get from you, is determined by several things beyond give me. It's not even sickening that all we talk about is making requests. Making requests. Making requests. Let's look at the verses that teach of making requests. The Bible says we are free to make requests. Let's make requests. Requests about what? Do we just say, I mean, think about it. Your relations. There is something that leads to something that leads to something that leads to something that leads to something. Your mother, your father. You don't just get the money and say, give me. If you do that, it must be defined within the relationship. Same thing with the things of God. We don't just open our mouth and say, Lord, give me. Lord, give me. There is more to it. And I think by the time we understand governing principles of relationships, we're going to work more, better with God and happier than just asking for things, especially the given. Romans 8.31 What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not him also freely give us all things. If this has only stated, how shall not freely give us? Then it may just be okay to say, we have him who gets more. This is with him. Alongside him. With, with him. <laughs> Hallelujah. With him is very important. With him. You could misinterpret this verse to be so I'm free to ask for whatever I long I want with him. He says, with him. If God has given us his son, then he has given us all things. This is what it means. If God has given us his son, 
He has given us all things. Are you in church? If God has given us his son, he has given us all things. If God has given us his son, he has given us all things. With or together, denoting union. This is the word. W-I-T-H. It's a Greek word pronounced soon. Soon. S-O-O-N is the word in the Greek. That's the word with. When you see the word with at Romans 8 and verse 32, it is the word soon. It is pronounced S-O-O-N. It's not an English word. It's a Greek word. It is spelled S-U-N. So funny. It is spelled son. It is pronounced soon. It's not English. It's Greek. S-U-N pronounced soon. You know what it means? It means with or together. It denotes union. So, this verse is saying, if God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not in union with him? S-U-N. Son is the Greek word. In union with him. You can't separate Christ from what Christ means or who he is or what he connotes or what he carries. Jesus came to us by the form of eternal life. The eternal life is what makes God God. So everything that God has, he gave in Christ in the gift of eternal life. If you are born of the spirit of God, you have all God can ever give. Asking him to give you any other thing is senseless. It doesn't just make sense. And this is where faith comes in. When you are so unbelieving, you are so, you are so dented in your calculation, you say, I don't believe. It doesn't change the fact that he has given you anyway. It doesn't reduce it. Once you are born of eternal life, you've been given all God has to offer humanity. Have you seen the word? Put it in your notes. Put S-U-N. Put S-O-O-N. It's the word soon. It's together or with denoting union. Put it down. Romans 8.32 The word with is S-U-N. It's a Greek word. It's pronounced soon. It means in union with. In union with. In, it means with together denoting union. You say what to me? Greek, Hebrew? Check some of your Greek concordances. You'll find this there. In union. Let's look at this one at First Timothy 6 and verse 17. This is a very, very strange one coming in the Bible. First Timothy 6, 17. Why am I saying this to you? I'm saying that let's not look for our needs before we think about God. My needs are not as important as God to whom I pray about my needs. And I also quoted you a scripture. I said, Ephesians 3 and verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think of him, according to his power to work within us. The power to work within us is the 
power of salvation that we are saved is more important than our weirdest, widest, wildest prayer commands or desires. Let's think about First Timothy 6 and verse 17. Then I will, I will paint you a small picture of conviction I would love you to have each time you pray. You need it. You need that clear, confident conviction. Now we're talking about um, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17. You lost it, you lost it, you lost it. The word is S-U-N. Is it transliteration? S-U-N. Son, you know, S-U-N. It is pronounced S-O-O-N. With, together, denoting um, union. So the person that scrolled this thing lost it now. So you better be in the Holy Ghost. Now let's see First Timothy 6 and verse 17. So you don't give them a wrong thing right from now. First Timothy 6 and verse 17. Quickly, 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 quickly. Quickly. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. God giveth. All things. All things. All things. All things. He giveth. All things. So this is the word gives. This is what this is. Listen, this is the word you say is um is not present continuous, is present what established. What did you call it? Gives. You said there's a word that it's it's not present continuous, rather is present tense that is okay. So that's the word. Is this the word? You're still sleeping. You don't, you're, not, you're talking in tongues a little. She doesn't know what I'm talking about. So she told me something that instead of saying gives is just present continuous. We could say it's a present. Isn't it? Am I making a mistake? A present that establishes permanent truth. Permanent. Is this the same word? She's still sleeping. Okay. So, for being in Christ, he has given us, by this unchanging permanent truth, all things, so we can richly, richly enjoy. Do you get it? It's a present tense that establishes an unchanging truth. He giveth us. So it's not like he keeps giving. He has given. But is a present tense that is unchanging forever. So we don't say God keeps giving us every day. No. He has given us. It's an unchanging permanent truth. Are you still in this place? There are many scriptures I could show you that teaches 
You are not a victim. You are not, you are not empty. You are not somebody who should crave and cry and beg God for things. So, I have serious issues with you very, very unbelieving. So then, we now began to learn or rather, we started to see one or two things from the book of Mark with Christ in their boat. And I, I, I remember the song. With Jesus in my boat, I can smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. Smile at the storm with Jesus in my boat. Can you really smile at the storm? Can you? Can you smile when things are very hopeless? I have encountered Christian people and I discovered that seriously they smile. They smile when there is hope. When there is hope. When you have been shortlisted, you smile. When you have not been shortlisted, you cry. When you have been shortlisted, you smile. When you have not been shortlisted, you cry. When there is hope, you smile. But here, there is hopelessness. And then they began to cry, like many of us do. And Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and said, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? They were calling upon God they had no conviction. Let's quickly look at something at Hebrews. I want to teach you something. I don't want to precisely call it faith in prayers. Maybe we should say praying for my needs, remember faith. Remember faith. As I pray for my needs, I should remember faith. Let's, let's define faith from the Bible. And there was a program at church sometime where and I wasn't around and I was told they had, there were some contentions about faith or no faith. But faith is just the same. Whether Old or New Testament. Faith as a subject. Faith as a theme. As a theme. Faith as a theme has not changed. Faith. Sorry. I was going to say faith as an action. Faith as a verb has changed. The faith of the Old Testament was faith by an action in the laws of God. Faith in the New Testament, which is the real thing, the noun of faith, is Christ revealed as the message. So let's look at this action, the, the, the attitude. Faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. That is, when you desire to see something come to pass, when you are expectant, when you are wishing to have something, the assurance you are going to have it 
is called faith or the conviction in your mind. Faith is of the mind. I've had some people come up with the conviction that faith is of the spirit and I say, what is the spirit? Whatever has to do with your thinking has to do with the mind. Did you hear me? Can I say it again? Whatever has to do with your thinking has to do with your mind. When we talk about faith or conviction, we're talking about an attitude, an action of the mind. Something in the mind that creates a mindset. The substance. The substance. The support. The confidence or concrete essence. The assurance. Now, faith, pistis, or confidence, or assurance, the word is actually pistis in the Greek, it's confidence, assurance, is the assurance or confidence, now it could, it could just say faith is the faith, <laughs> of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What does this mean? I read this in some, in some literal translation sometime that is some direct word for word transliteration the way it's stated in the Greek and it looks like faith the substance of thing the evidence not seen. Faith the substance of thing the evidence not seen. So, let's, let, let, let's, let's stay with this. This will help you a great deal too. I mean, the way it's stated in the King James Version of the Bible. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The evidence. Something you can hold as to the basis of your conviction of what you can see. The evidence. The evidence. The evidence. Are you in church? The evidence. Faith is the evidence something I can hold a persuasion an abstract or a dependable reality a dependable 
dependable reality. As a noun, a strong belief or trust in something. Glory be to God. A strong belief or trust in something. So we have said, basically, I've shown you some scriptures. The Christian is in the faith. Look at the, the faith. The faith. The faith. We are in the faith, which speaks of the entirety of being a Christian or being in Christ. So I'm saying, still, we can still, it's still a noun, it's still a noun. It's still a noun. That the Christian has something he's holding on to an evidence for what he cannot see. So when the Christian has an evidence for what he cannot see, he has faith. Someone says, the verb of faith is believe. And that faith is always a noun. That the verb of faith is believe. Is believe. That faith is always a noun. The verb of faith is believe. Okay, now. When at Mark chapter 4, they began to call upon God. One would have thought they were doing it in faith. That was just normal. They were calling upon God and saying, don't you care that we perish? That looks like, like, looks like faith. Because they went and they called upon God. And they spoke with God. Like many of us do. When we pray, we are very specific and direct. We call upon God and say, God, I need a car. God, you, you, you expressively talk to God. What exactly do you think was in the mind of Jesus that made him conclude the way he concluded? Maybe this can help you in your life as a Christian who prays. Let's quickly examine Mark chapter 4 and learn some things. I have told you, don't, don't jump to the conclusion that your life is a storm. Don't jump to the conclusion that your life is a storm. Things that are happening is a storm. You're not being married now. You're not having a job. You're not having a car. You're not building a house. You're not having children yet. You're not being abroad now. You're not being born to Dangote's family. It's a chaos or a crisis or a storm of your life. That will be out of place. Let's just learn what attitudes the disciples posed or poised at Mark 4 
and how Christ responded to them. And let's see if you can quickly tap some knowledge from this as believers. They were praying. They, they, they spoke with him out of anguish. And let's see what they were meant to do. We're going to infer from this verse what they were meant to do. First and foremost, he was with them. Learn this. He was with them. The storm blinded them from the consciousness he was with them. If this but we're going to sink. They were going to sink together. And yet, they were so afraid. Ah. This is not an ordinary person. This is a person who by diverse signs and wonders had proved himself as somebody who was more than an ordinary human being. He doesn't claim to be some joking boy. This is not some friend in class or some, some, some um, sibling back home. It's not a walk with your brother, your sister. This is not a farmer and his family coming back from some fish pond. This is God Almighty. They left the revelation of his deity he had given them over and over again and they were so confused and so perplexed and then they said to him, Don't you care? One version says, let, let, Let's see some verses of the Bible. Because another one says, You seem not to care. We are drowning. This is Christ who had shown himself whom he is. If the boat sank, they were going down together. He had told them his mission. He had told them his ministry. He had told them whom he was. They had worked with him. Now the boat is sinking and he had forgotten all about that. Can I bring this closer home? Is it not true that many times your needs are so much you forget whom God is? Can I bring this closer home? Is it not true that many times you are so blindfolded by the magnitude of your new science you forget whom God is? Is it not true? You don't even have the consciousness God is with you. Is it not true? You don't have the thought God cares. Do you always doubt God's care each time there is a moribund or complicated issue? Don't you always say, does God really care for me? So you judge it based on whom you are. Does God care? If God cared for me, I should not be in this and this and this. This we should learn from. Ladies and gentlemen, it is possible for God to be with you and you are in a serious storm. It's possible. I hear this one. I hear this one. That the presence. Rather I hear this one. That safety. Safety indeed. Safety indeed is not the absence of danger. Safety is in the presence of the Lord. Can I say it again? What we should call safety. Is not that there is tranquil. Ultra marine. Calm seaside. Tranquil. Or quietness this is what many of us call safety <laughs> i don't know whoever taught us we've been taught wrongly 
that a good life is a life lived without anything. No sound. Uneasy calm. There's so much, there's so much, there's so much calmness. Many of you hate to wake and you have to eat. Some of you like to sleep to death. Many of us, you love, you love to just sleep and just die like that because you can't imagine getting up in the morning to face the challenge again. Oh. The depths that you owe. Your car crisis. Your school fees. Your health bill. The tests. The injection to be administered by some physician. The injection to be administered by some nurse or a physician. Your bad refrigerator. Your unpaid remunerations and salaries and wages. You just don't walk. You don't just die sleeping. These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. I guess he was expecting them here to be assured of peace in him in spite of the chaos. I guess he was thinking they would be assured and say, don't worry, the master is here. <laughs> don't worry, the master is with us. I would love you to say some of these things than to shout and to mourn and to complain and to groan and say, now I'm asking, now I'm asking, my life is ruined. You know, I was at a particular Jeanette pastor's meeting. It was a minister's conference one day before Jeanette 2016 held at Redemption Camp. It was a Wednesday. I traveled in to, to be there and then I traveled back and moved to camp on Thursday from Ilori. And I was teaching them on the power of talking with tongues. And a pastor, a lady pastor at Ibadan asked a question. She said, why do we always say tongues is powerful? Why? Why? I said, because Tongues is powerful. She said, I don't think so, sir. I have a regret. Tell us your regret. She said, while I was on campus, there was a time I had a serious need. And I was afraid to ask God to help me. Because I had been taught never to ask. I only prayed in tongues. and prayed in tongues. Now I remember the pain, the heart, the misery I went through. I only wish I knew what I know now. I would not have prayed in tongues. I would have asked in English language. <laughs> Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with a head on a cushion. The disciples woke him shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown I think many of us say this. Doesn't God care about me? If God cares, why am I going through this crisis? 
that there is chaos is no indication God doesn't care. The assurance of God's care is not whether there is chaos or not. The assurance of God's care is in him. Can I say this all over again? Please, let's never judge God's love towards us on our experiences. We are used to it. Even our pastors and church administrators have misled us with this judgment. The moment you are going through crisis as a Christian, you are condemned, you are repudiated, you are slandered, you are libeled, you are called names. People say, is it because you are sinning? Brother, brother, watch your life. Is there any secret fault you have not confessed? God is faithful. The way you are failing your exam, God is faithful. Watch your life. You don't have a child. All these years, are you the only one there, brother? You are not married, sister. Are you sure there's nothing happening to your life? Are you sure you don't have a spirit husband? You don't have money. Are you sure you pay your tithes? You have been robbing God. Now God is robbing you. Are you sure you are not paying your tithes? He said, you are there which justify your own heart. But God sees indeed your heart. Luke 16 and verse 15. That which is most highly esteemed amongst men is abomination with God. God is not a man. Let's see one other translation. I want us to put some little highlights on this, this last phrase. So, we want to see apart from the New Living Translation, one other translation. And I'll just stay with the last sentence. Quickly. This one. Teacher, is it nothing to you? Does it, is it nothing to you that we are going to drown? This is it. This sounds like many prayers. Some so-called intelligent prayers. Prayers that are very inquisitional. Prayers that prod the very secret heart of God to catch him nagging or wanting over his carelessness in our lives. After we pray, I, I fast, I give, I attend church all the time. Who else can beat me to it? I have done my best. I, I have done my best. I deserve more than this. Don't you care that my child is dying, God? God? <laughs> Some time ago, when my, when my mother died, my mother died February 8th, 1998. I'm not making a mistake. I think I said 98. 994. Was that 94? Yeah, 994. Was that not 98? I lost it. 1998. February, February 8th, 1994. At 6.22 p.m. What 5. University of Rome Teaching Hospital on a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday, 6.22 p.m. She died, gave up the ghost at what 5? The woman's um, ward. Woman's gynae ward. Woman's ward um, at the UITH. 6.22 p.m. Tuesday, February 8th, 1994. My mother died. And, and I will not forget my sister. My sister is a lovely person. She, 
She got married to a reverend. She's also a reverend gentle person. And according to her, when my mother died, she's, I just saw she, she, she wasn't there when she died. She wasn't, she, wasn't, um, she wasn't there when she died. I was there when she died. She stepped out of the ward and walked out praying some. I, I wasn't there with her, but then when she came back, she told me what she, says in pra- she said in prayer. She said, I walked a little, I looked into the sky, and I waved my index finger at God. And I said, God, you have cheated me. Moni babalorun enyomijeo oluwati enyomijeo. That was even mild. Sincerely, what she said is mild. I've seen people say unprintable words to God before. I've seen people that would instantly decry, denounce, recant Christianity there and then. People that will, from their backslide and stop being Christians. There's a man by the name of Bart Herman. Bart Herman. Bart Herman. B-A-R-T-E-A-R-H-M-A-N. Bart Herman is an agnostic. An agnostic is slightly different from an atheist. An atheist says there is no God. An agnostic says there is no God plus there is nothing that looks like God. An atheist may believe in small, small or other deities. He doesn't believe there is supreme or central God. An agnostic does not believe there is the existence of any deity or any God. Whether demi or full God. So they are slightly similar but with some little difference. But Herman is a complete person that says there is nothing like that. Ask me why. His wife died of a cancer. He was an evangelical. He was a Christian literature writer. An evangelical and a pastor. And his wife died. And he began to denounce God. He's all over the world today. Preaching about Jesus. He released a book recently about the lying Jesus. The lying Jesus Christ. There are several Christian people. Who today have what some people have described. As the faith accident. The faith accident. You know. They trusted God would do something. And they stake their life on it. And the moment it doesn't happen, they denounce God there and then. Some swear to a heart they would never have anything to do with God publicly. But one thing remains, one thing remains. If they were ever saved, they cannot lose their salvation. It's not possible. You say, "Ah, ah, sir, yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. Because what saves and keeps saves Oh, sorry, I lost it. What saves and keeps saved is irreversible. Do you understand it? I've explained eternal salvation to many of you before you didn't get it. I'm saying that, listen and listen again, just one more time. Salvation itself, that thing called salvation is irreversible. Are you guessing from that? That thing called salvation can never be altered or changed. You know why? It was wrought by the death of God. If you must reverse it, you must kill God again. So, anybody God gives receives eternal salvation. It can never be lost. 
What if he begins to sin? So, what if he calls God a liar? So, what if he preaches against God? His works shall be burnt. If tested by God's standard, he shall be saved himself. <laughs> so, so simple. Is, is it difficult to believe? Now, it's not human philosophy. It's not. It's divine philosophy. I don't expect you to believe it like you believe my words. Take it as God's own way of thinking. So you don't argue, you don't struggle with how possible it is. This is how God reasons. Well, I don't reason this way, but this is how God reasons, so I accept it. I've seen people that said things that were mind-blowing, scary in prayers. They have become so desperate and so reckless and so total and so forcible and so violent. They've said, God, if you don't do it, you are done for. You are finished. A man said, God, if you don't raise my daughter from her, I will carry my Bible and preach you to the end of the earth as a liar. The daughter died, was not raised. He preached God a liar for some years and also died. He also died. He also died. <laughs> he said, but is God not faithless? Is God not wicked? <clears throat> he has never told you he will establish his faithfulness on what you see. He calls himself faithful as a person who cannot deny himself. And that his faithfulness at the very best is what you have tasted in Christ Jesus. That's all. So, you're not meant to judge it on whether something is done or not. Let's see this, this last um, phrase I'm trying to describe at uh, Mark um, 4 and verse 38. Quickly. One other translation of the Bible. Mark 4. I've had people say strange things. This one says, Mark 4, 38, the Amplified, and they are walking and said to him, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? This is a good prayer. Lord, come to our aid. Don't you care? Father, Father, don't you care? We're sinking. They allowed their situation determine their estimation of God. They allowed their situation determine their value of God. They allowed their situation determine the rating of God. They allowed what they saw, what they were going through, blind their minds from God's goodness. They had forgotten whom God was. They had forgotten what his word said. They had forgotten whom he is. I bring this to you right now. You easily, easily are choked by life from what the Bible says, whom God says he is, what he has done for you. You allow the 
present distress, the present calamity to blindfold you and shroud your very slim myopic eyes from God's goodness. You forget whom God is as a person, the power of creativity in your life as a new creature. You forget everything and you begin to say, God, don't you care that we'll perish? Don't you care that we'll perish? First and foremost, Jesus stood up and rebuilt the wind which he was still going to do. I'm convinced in my mind Christ tested them. I'm convinced in my mind he was waiting to see what they will do. I don't think Christ had sleeping sickness. Trypanosomiasis. I don't think so. I think he was just watching them. And they exposed themselves. They gave themselves up as very unbelieving. What did he say? So, when you have this kind of situation, what does Jesus say? Jesus said, why are you fearful? When you are fearful, you are faithless, no matter who you are. The moment fear grips you, hey, money faith, money faith, hey, money faith, money faith, I wonder, faith, money faith, you are faithless. Do you know I've said something before? I've said, why should I call a pastor to pray for me? I've said it. People have said, oh, you are proud. I said, really? You have not even asked why I think this way. Number one, I don't believe any pastor has a better guarantee before God than I in Christ Jesus. I believe the same God over all is rich to all that call upon his name. Romans 10, 12. I believe the same God, Father of all, in us all, Ephesians 5, verse 6. I believe God is no respecter of persons. Ephesians 6 and verse 9. Number two. I believe the pastor will pray like I will pray. And that the reason why he will be answered has nothing to do with him just like me too. But because many of us don't understand the basis of righteousness, you always think that God can't answer me, God will answer them or him. We will have this very funny ideology of corporate prayers. I said there is no corporate thing in the Bible, there is cooperative cooperative not corporate by corporate i mean the more the number the better the faith by cooperative i'm talking about technical spiritual expertise that is that is we're in church i say let's stand to our feet somebody talks in tongues oh many of you don't know how god wants to use it in church the reason why sometimes church is just lifeless, dull, drabby is because many of us that God will use are not willing. And God is not restricted to use the pastor alone. There are services God doesn't want to use the pastor at all. He wants to use you. You come late. 
You come like an outsider, like a foreigner, like an alien. You come like a shinner. After all, you've, you've been sitting anyway. So, it's even a good thing. Then you sit at the back in your own recline. And God is saying, he's prompting you. Just speak that word in tongues. Speak that word in tongues. Speak that word in tongues. God is prompting you, but just looking very dazed and very drabby. Prompting you. Now, cooperative. You could speak that phrase in tongues. Just that phrase in tongues. And somebody who is also drabby on the keyboard, for example, gives an interpretation. You have spoken something in tongues. We just, just said it sluggishly, sluggishly without vamp or vitality. Somebody just, just on the seats, talk, playing the keyboard just says, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And somebody who has a goiter not yet noticed is healed. The goiter vanishes. The tyroxine adjusts. The gland modifies. The goiter that will have stretched to some very huge lump on the chest of the person and lasted two years before it kills the person disappears without trace. All glory to God. No human being can give praise to himself. It can't be your testimony or my testimony. I can't go and say, look at me, squared shoulder, just God healed, just heal somebody for goiter, give me some money and some offering. Neither can you say because God relied solely on the technical expertise, the cooperativeness of his spirit and not the corporate power of many praying saints. We must be taught well. Let's, let's join hands. Beautiful. Sound of agreement. I like it. But when we join hands to be more, we're wasting our time. Can I say it again? We could join hands as a sign of agreement. It's just an outward sign. Just like closing the eyes. Closing your eyes has nothing to do with power except that you void distraction. You can open your eyes, you can close your eyes. But I can assure you, when you open your eyes, you'll be more distracted than opening your eyes. Than closing your eyes. But then, when we have to join our hands to show that it's it's in series connection, in series. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven Christians times seven Holy Ghosts. 49 Holy Ghosts. <laughs> yeah, you are wasting your time. It's a spiritual cooperativeness. That is, he walks through his body. Now we don't know what it means. We, we rely on one man. Oh. Makes me cry. We rely on one man. One, one, one ordinary man. Whom God doesn't want to use. We are at a prayer meeting. Let's come for a prayer meeting. The pastor is not coming. Ah! I cannot come through. The pastor is not coming. Why? He's busy. So he won't come for a prayer meeting. So what will happen at the prayer meeting? Who will pray for us? What kind of prayer is that one? I'm not coming. I'm going home. It's better to sit at home than to attend prayer meeting where the pastor will not be there. Or you hate the man in charge of prayers. He's a sinning brother. Oh, the sinner brother is the one that will lead the prayer meeting. God forbid. His prayers will be turned into a curse. Say, I cannot let that man lay hands on me. He will give me demons. (laughs) Are you out of your mind? How can a man with demons lay hands on you with the power of God and the demons in you will chase out God from him? How can? But don't believe we'll tell you it's possible. Go 
don't touch me. I don't want to get infected with demons. Transparency of spirit. What do you know about spirits? What do you know about spirits? Transparency of spirit. How does a man transfer spirits? What do you know about spirits? Jesus describes this very simply. When you are afraid, you are faithless. When you have no faith in God, but you trust in a man, you are faithless. Oh, can we have prayer meeting in church? We just come in church and talk in tongues. We just talk in tongues. We just talk in tongues. And just, and just lift up holy hands. And just sing a while. And just sing in the Holy Ghost. And just speak some tongues. And some interpretation. And just go back home thanking the Lord. God who knows us. Whether we know ourselves. Who has redeemed us. And ransomed us. And saved us by his power. Who has given us the gift of regeneration. Who walks in us. His power knows everything. Must we always come and ask him for things? We can just go to Justin and say... We have said it all to God and give thanks to God and rejoice and be glad and chase out of our minds anxieties and fretfulness and say, I believe God. Fair go your way. I doubt my fears. I doubt my doubt and I have faith in my faith in God. Amen. Hallelujah. Can you believe it is called faithlessness? You are talking to God and you are faithless. You are talking to God and you are afraid. The reason why you are even praying is because you are faithless. Many of us are praying because we are faithless. <laughs> you are praying because you don't believe the word. Why are you praying? If you had believed the word, you would sing his praise. You wouldn't pray. You would be thankful. Someone says, Sir, Thankfulness is also prayer. Don't twist yourself all around. You know there's a difference between thanking God and praying for things you want to happen. Yeah. Thankfulness is prayer, really. Colossians 1 verse 2, continue in prayer. And watch in the same with thankfulness or thanksgiving. The word thanksgiving, thanks and thankfulness appears in the New Testament more than prayer or praying. Many more times are we admonished to thank him than to shout or to bombard heaven with the power of asking or making requests over our needs. Very simple. You have no faith. What would they have done if they had faith? I'm going to teach you what they could have done if they had faith. On the grounds of pure inference. But if we are staying with what we see, maybe you don't know what to do if you have faith. But please learn what not to do, which is tantamount to having no faith. Yes. The reverend has not taught you what to do if you had faith. But learn from these what not to do would become tantamount to having no faith. Like being fearful. Like questioning God's authority. Like underestimating God with unspeakable, despicable, and unprintable words. Libellious, malicious, maligning, 
chapter of words because things look like they are not coming through for you. Stop! Let God's word assure your minds of whom God is. Let God's word assure your minds of whom God is. Then stay confidently trusting him. You need a knowledge of the Bible than praying. I've discussed this over and over again. Prayer versus Bible reading, they go hand in hand. Let's not neglect or despise prayer for Bible study or despise or neglect prayer, Bible study for prayers. They must go hand in hand. You study God's word, you pray. But rock bottom, conceptual analysis, my brother, my sister, you need a knowledge of the word that you should ever pray. Because you could pray amiss. When you know God better and intimately, you will understand the power of effective prayer. It just follows. It's just technical and it's very simple. It's just diplomacy in relationships. The better I know, my friend, the better discussions become. Several relationships turn sore. Why sore? Communication. Lack of yielded education between both parties. He must yield, divulge information for the person to be educated and vice versa. It helps. It helps. Instead of sitting to trash issues every time, we trash it, we trash it. Let's, let's just wait to understand ourselves by education. So let me, this person, okay? Mm-hmm. This, this, this. Ah, it becomes better. If by Bible study, you get to know whom God is better. Your prayer life will change. Stand up. Stand up right to your feet and give him thanks and praise his name and worship him and magnify him. Thank him. He's worthy of praise. He's glorious. He's good. He's kind. He's majestic. 